Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bipolar Disorder Moment. My name is Alan Cooper. On today's episode, I will be reading from my yet-to-be-published book, Brain Betrayal, The Alan They Never Met. This will be the fourth reading of a series that I've been doing on my podcast. And we're going to be skipping a couple chapters. The chapters we're skipping were really difficult times and has a level of vulnerability that I'm okay with coming out in a book, but I'm uh, going to leave it alone for my podcast. It starts with me leaving Calgary for the first time to go off to university. This was a day I'd been dreaming about for quite some time. So here we go. Chapter 6. University Freedom. Lift off. My friend Tony from high school drove me to the airport. He took my suitcase out of the bed of his red Ford F-150 truck, gave me a manly hug, complete with the back slapping, and said, Good luck, Al. I watched his truck leave as I stood at the entrance of the airport, took a deep breath, and said to myself, Holy, I'm actually doing this. The day had finally arrived. I had been accepted into the University of Victoria in British Columbia, Canada. I was replacing my grey life in Calgary with green grass, flowers, and the ocean. When I went up to the check-in counter, the attendant took my ticket, ripped out the red transfer paper in the middle, and tore off my copy. Here you go, Mr. Cooper. Gate G6, she said. As I waited to board the plane, my excitement and nervousness grew. I was entering a new chapter of my life, and I had no idea what to expect. I read a little and listened to a Pink Floyd cassette tape on my Walkman. Ladies and gentlemen, we will be boarding flight AC1034 to Vancouver, and then on to Victoria shortly. Can we get all passengers with small children and those that need assistance to please come forward at this time? When I walked down the tunnel to board the plane, my heart started to race. The flight attendant read my boarding pass and said, Mr. Cooper, you have the window seat on the right there. I got to my row and two people were sitting in my path to my seat. Excuse me, I have the window seat, I said. Now I'm really locked in. There was no turning back. Holy... Am I really doing this? Yeah, I'm doing this. So, that's the liftoff. The next section describes when I wake up the next day in Victoria. Awakening to a new day. After taking a nice hot shower, I put on my white short shorts and my faded purple t-shirt 
and stepped out into the fresh sea air mixed with the scent of cedar trees. I had a substantial mustache for an 18-year-old, and my wavy dark hair was parted in the middle and feathered back. I put on my mirrored sunglasses and felt like I was ready to take on the world. My landlords told me there was a strip mall a few blocks away that had a royal bank where I could open a new bank account. I was in awe as I walked past all the huge trees, beautiful flowers, and lush deep green grass on my way to the bank. When I left Calgary, everything was brown, dusty, and dismal looking. Even in the summertime, the grass isn't green in Calgary. It's more like brown grass with green highlights. I would like to open an account, I said when I walked up to the teller and presented her with my $3,000 money order. Looking at it, she said, oh, you're from Calgary. Are you a student? Yes, this is my first year. We've had a lot of students from Calgary in here in the last few days, she smiled. I left the bank feeling like I had officially arrived in Victoria. I had done it. A new positive chapter of my life was beginning. I reached into my back pocket, making sure I had my wallet. My pocket was empty. Oh, no, 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 no. I patted all four pockets of my white shorts repetitively, as if the wallet would somehow appear. I'd walked four blocks from the bank. I retraced my steps, but I still couldn't find it. I returned to the bank, walked up to the teller who opened my account and said, Hi. Hello again, she said. I just lost my wallet. I need to get some money out of my account. Her smile disappeared. Did you lose the bank card and all of your identification too, she says. Yes, I said, feeling frustrated at the stupidity of the question. I'm sorry, but you can't get access to your account without your bank card, she said. But I was just here, I pleaded. I know, but that's not how it works. You need your bank card to gain access to your account. The logic of that statement hit me. Of course you can't just say, remember me, to withdraw money from a bank account. Mr. Cooper? Mr. Cooper? I realized the teller was talking to me. She told me to sit in the waiting area and the manager would talk to me. I sat down on the beige couch beside a coffee pot filled with extremely dark coffee and poured myself a cup and added as much sugar and coffee made into it as possible. I hadn't bought anything edible yet and I wasn't sure when my next meal would be. A woman approached me and said, Mr. Cooper? I said, hi, barely making eye contact with her. I'm Deborah, the manager of this branch. Wendy has explained to me what has happened. Do you have anything that proves who you are, like a phone bill with your name on it? No, I just moved here. All of my identification was in my wallet, I said. She explained that they would contact head office to see what they could do and asked me to return to the bank the next day. When I got back to the house, my landlords were sitting on the front lawn. Violet was bouncing their infant daughter in her lap, making her giggle. 
and Jonathan was smiling, watching their five-year-old son, Jackson, playing with kids from the neighborhood. So how was your first day in our beautiful city, Jonathan said. Um, not good. I was so embarrassed that I didn't want to say anything, but I told them I lost my wallet. I went to my room, lay down on the bed, planted my face in the pillow, and held my stomach as it gurgled. Jonathan walked by my door and said, Al, have you had anything to eat? No, I lost my wallet before I could buy any food, I said. Want to come to a barbecue with us? That would be great. Thanks, I said. Well, finally my luck was improving. Being an Alberta boy, the thought of having a nice juicy hamburger with potato salad garnished with a couple of carrots and salad drenched in ranch dressing lifted my spirits. The drive to the barbecue was spectacular. The road snaked through a heavily forested area with lush green grass and vibrant flowers. It was amazing to be engulfed in so much natural beauty. There were about 30 people there. The women dressed in flowery summer dresses with flip-flops and the men standing around shirtless in shorts, wearing sandals and holding cans of beer. The children were running around and laughing, covered in mud. Jonathan and I walked toward the barbecue pit as Violet got Destiny out of her car seat. Jonathan introduced me to some of his friends and got me a beer. So, Al, you just moved here, eh? said one of Jonathan's friends. Yep, just got in last night, I replied. Going to you, Vic? he asked. Yep, starting next week. When he asked me what I was studying, I told him I was taking sciences and I hoped to be a chiropractor. I always wanted to be a doctor, but right before I graduated from high school, I realized that I didn't have the grades to be a doctor. My friend's dad was a chiropractor, and that sounded like being a doctor. You came to the right barbecue. There are a couple of chiropractors here, he said. Throughout the evening, I talked with many people, and they all seemed warm and truly interested in getting to know me. At one point, I visited with a chiropractor, and after chatting with me for 20 minutes, he looked me straight in the eye and said, you're going to be a great chiropractor. Really? You think so? I asked. Definitely. This made me feel great, even though the statement was ridiculous. The guy didn't know anything about me, and I wasn't totally sure what chiropractors did. Food's ready, one of the ladies by the fire pit announced. The kids ran to the table, and the adults slowly followed. I sat across from my landlords. I was starving. The lady next to me handed me a bowl, and I was expecting potato salad or tossed greens limp from too much dressing, but it was a bowl of flowers. These are flowers, I said. The lady that handed me the flowers said, yes, with a small frown. I looked into the bowl, and I was completely confused. They're edible, Violet explained trying to contain the smirk growing on her face. It's hippie food, she said. Oh me, the universe really does hate me. After the flowers, 
there was various forms of barbecued tofu. I didn't know there was a solid food that tasted like water. Once my plate was filled with flowers, tofu, sprouts, and veggies I'd never even heard of, I just looked at it. I didn't want to eat it, but I was starving, and I would never be so rude as to not appreciate someone cooking for me. When we got home, I thanked my landlords for taking me to the barbecue and went to bed. I was sad that my first day was kind of rocky, but the whole experience made me chuckle. If losing my wallet and ending up at a hippie vegetarian barbecue were my worst problems, then life was good. It was exciting to meet people that I never would have had a chance to meet if I was still in Calgary. And the whole experience reinforced the idea that I was beginning a new life. I felt content. Later that evening, the police arrived at the house. They had found my wallet and it still had all my cards in it, but the cash was gone. I was so relieved. I went to sleep with a big smile on my face thinking about the next day's adventure and eating the biggest triple-layer cheeseburger I could find. So, that's the reading for this week. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you would like to be part of the conversation that is yet to take off, you can join my Facebook group, the Bipolar Disorder Moment. You can also check out my blog, bipolarweekly.com. I hope you enjoyed today's reading and look forward to connecting with you next week. This has been another Bipolar Disorder Moment. <laughs>